I guess I should just jump in. Um, Thank you, Corey. Okay, so hi, my name is Corey. I'm a compulsive overeater, a restrictor. Um, hi, Laura. <laughs> I'm also a type one diabetic. And I, I feel like you just answered the question enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> um, it's, you know, we, in our connection, we don't, I don't often say, so tell me what you like about me. So it's really an honor to hear um, what works for you. Um, so I'm going to, I have 25 minutes. So, and I was, I have a timer and I have notes and I decided that was way too controlling. So I'm just going to start talking and we'll see what comes out. Um, I've been in program. So my first 12 step program was 1988. Um, I came into OA sometime in 1989. Um, I, I, I didn't understand what abstinence was. I was living in a really little town where kind of our big Saturday morning meeting was six people on a good week. And, um, uh, and I moved to LA a couple of years later, but I moved to LA in 1990, so a year later. And I didn't know what abstinence was and I was too afraid to ask. So I assumed it was diet, even though we say we're not a diet and calories club. Um, and I started trying to be perfect with my food and um, resentful of anybody in the world that ate anything that I didn't think was perfect. And um, anyway, uh, over the years, what I ultimately wound up with my abstinence is that I don't eat on demand. Um, and that uh, if, because I'm a type one diabetic and I'm on an insulin pump, um, if I eat it, I uh, cover for it. So that means I take insulin for everything that I eat. And that didn't used to be the case. And that's a very dangerous um, they call it diabolemia, and it's a very dangerous way to be in the world and very dangerous thing to do with food. So um, that's kind of where I come from with food. I also have a restricting side, um, and that is just like what it sounds like. <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> and in terms, I, I guess I'll just jump into sponsorship. I want to start out with um, how I was sponsored, and then I'll talk about how I've become a sponsor. Um, oh, and I sponsor three women now. Um, I, that's three more than I thought I had time for. And um, I learned a number of years ago that when I, 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 my life was crazy busy. I worked a full-time job. I had a job in the evenings. I was in graduate school full-time during some of that time. And, um, and it occurred to me at some point, I don't remember if it was a sponsor that told me or it just was me that maybe, um, the I would and I was looking for time to go to enough meetings and maybe if I um, asked God to help me find time in my schedule that maybe I could and then you know now I have three sponsees so careful what you pray for but um, careful what you ask for um, and I wouldn't change any of it um, when I was new within the first month or two in that small little meeting that there were two meetings a week I was living in um, I was living in Eureka, the next, the town where I was going to college was Arcata. It, they're both in Humboldt County in Northern California. Um, and there weren't that many sponsors. There wasn't a lot of recovery. I, I had a hard time getting a sense of what the program was there until I moved back to Los Angeles. But I, I didn't have a clue how to connect with people. It, you, you terrified me. Um, and, and your vulnerability terrified me. And um, I realized if I... I I wanted to start working the steps because it gave me something to do because I'm a doer and I was more of a doer rather like people talk about being a human doing rather than a human being. And that was me and and that served me well right it jumped me into the steps. Um, 
And I asked someone who seemed to have some recovery and seemed like a strong personality if she would take me through the steps. And um, we started working the steps together. And it was way different than any of the ways that I've worked it since, but we went, uh, she had this book and I don't remember what book it was. It wasn't one that I that I can point to now on a literature table, but we read about the first three steps. And after we were done reading about them, I said, how do you know when you're done? Because I wanted to know, like, I'm gonna, let me do three. And then, uh, you know, I want to move on, but I want to make sure that I have perfectly done three. And um, anyway, she didn't, there she wasn't mean about it. She asked me a bunch of questions about the third step. Like, do you believe that a power, you know, greater than yourself can restore you to sanity? And I, there were two problems with that. One, I didn't believe. And two, I didn't think I was insane. Um, and, it, and it took me a long time to begin to believe uh, in a power greater than myself that I absolutely do believe today. And I've no, this is God, God as we understand him or her or it or, um, I don't understand God, <laughs> um, especially these minutes. days. Thank you, that was fast. Especially these days, um, there's a lot that I don't understand about God. And I wanna know like, what's God's job description? What's my job description? What's, wh what can I you know, not rely on anybody for? And, and we just, I just don't get to know those things. So what I know is, um, and, and what sponsors have taught me over the years is, when I, um, when I have food cravings or I wanna do things that are harmful to myself, if I turn them over, it used to be getting down on my knees um, that the cravings will lift. And that, that was, I always say my, first, my very first spiritual experience in OA was um, that I mentioned to someone in Al-Anon that I was struggling with my food. Al-Anon was my first program. Um, and just that, that admission you know, and then um, there were many things after that. But um, so I had that first sponsor. When I moved to Los Angeles, I got another sponsor who was really nice and I felt comfortable with her. Um, and we started working the steps again. I didn't get through, I, I left in the middle of the fourth step with that very first sponsor. My, my next sponsor, um, I was working with her for a long time. And someone said to me, you know, you have more time than your sponsor does. And that may not be a bad thing, but it might be something for you to look at. And I realized that I felt comfortable, I don't know, sort of being on top, if you, if you, if it were. And um, and I felt comfortable, kind of, I don't know, there was something about that. So I worked through a few steps with that sponsor, and then um, I realized I went to this meeting. There used to be this meeting on Friday night in Los Angeles. Any long timers will remember. Um, at Cedar Sinai Thalians, which was the mental health wing building of Cedar Sinai Hospital. And there was this Friday night meeting, and it was just a speaker meeting. There was no sharing. It was, there was a 15 minute speaker and then a 30 minute speaker, kind of like Laura and I are doing now. And um, I heard the 30 minute speaker was this woman who I, I thought was, she was amazing. She was, she was beautiful and she looked like mom and she, and she was, and she, uh, talked about working the steps and she had an Al-Anon background and and I called her and um, and she said that she would sponsor me. She sponsored, God, I don't know, a boatload of people and um, a trough of people. <laughs> I understand that <laughs> that metaphor. Um, and um, and I once asked her about that. It, 
it's a longer story. If you want to know more about it, ask in the questions. But how do you sponsor a million people when I feel like three is more than I ever thought I had time for? But um, and she started taking me through the steps, and it was with her that I did a full fourth step. And as as I was and fifth step, and as I was writing my fourth step, I, I learned about things like. Um, like I said to her, you know, I'm writing about things that I don't think I want to tell you. And she said, okay. <laughs> and and I was waiting for her to go, well, then you better hit the, the pavement because if you're not going to tell me and you don't trust me, right, that's the kind of parenting that I came from. So I, I was familiar with that. She said, okay. She said, first of all, you're only on the fourth step. You're not on the fifth step. Those are separate. Um, and when you get to the fifth step, when you sit down to read, I'm not looking over your shoulder. Um, read, you know, you can withhold anything that you feel like you need to for your own recovery, which was very tricky because she gave me tons of permission and I wound up reading everything to her. And when she told me that that I could withhold anything, she said, and I once had a sponsee who did da 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 with food and it was exactly what I didn't want to tell her. And so she had no idea and you know it was just perfect so i wound up telling her everything and that was the first and she loved me through it and she was amazing and um i forget where i ended off on the steps with her but um she she got busy and i needed to find another sponsor and i struggled for a bunch of years but i learned from her that my sponsor is not my higher power i remember um speaking of being a human doing, I did every weekend I was doing program stuff. And I went to this OA dance on a Saturday night after I think being up the whole night before. And I wound up, I was driving someone home from the dance and I fell asleep behind the wheel. We were fine. The car I hit was fine, gratefully. But um, my, that sponsor had said to me, I'm available Sunday through Thursday from six to nine or six to 10. So you can call me during that time. I spend the weekends with my boyfriend, so please don't call me then. The accident happened on a Saturday night. I called her on a Sunday morning and she said, I'm sorry, she called me Dolly. I'm sorry, Dolly. She called all her, all her, I guess her kind of intimate people, Dolly. She called her son, Dolly, other sponsees. She said, I'm sorry, Dolly, that you had an accident, but it's Sunday and I'm not available till six o'clock. And, and I was so angry. And I called her that night and I said, but this was a car accident. And she said, you know, kind of like what Laura said, where I told her to get a posse. My sponsor said, you know, I'm not the only person that you can call. And she also said, and I just want you to know that I'm not your higher power. As much as I feel flattered that you'd like to put me in that role, I don't fit in that role. And, and I learned that, um, which helped me later when I became a sponsor. Um, it took me some tries before I realized that I wasn't someone's higher power, but, um, the first person I ever sponsored, I went to this Saturday morning meeting. It used to be called the maintainers meeting. Um, and someone asked me to sponsor them and I didn't have a clue how to sponsor. And and my um, kind of my, my phrase to myself for what a sponsor needed to be was like, hey, I know what you should do. <laughs> like, that's what I thought sponsors should do. Like, I needed to know always what you should do. And if I didn't know, I kind of made it up and pretended like, um, and that sponsorship didn't work out very well because I wasn't her therapist. I wasn't her higher power. I wasn't her posse. Um, I hadn't been through all the steps yet. You know, in, in step 12, it says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we carry this message to others. And I hadn't worked through all the steps yet. 
Um, not that you have to, to be a sponsor, but I was sponsoring, I think for me, it was at least important to go through six and seven. And that's, after I did that, I was a better sponsor because I wasn't sponsoring out of my own character defects or resentments or any of that stuff, you know? I mean, not that I don't have that sometimes. I, um, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm sponsoring three people. One person has a call time on Tuesday mornings at 7.30, not Laura. Um, and she's not in this meeting and it doesn't even matter who it is. And she and I have talked this through. Um, and she has forgotten a few times. And, and I don't walk with my wife on Tuesday mornings because I'm waiting for this sponsee call. I don't sleep past 7.30 on Tuesday mornings because I'm waiting for this sponsee call. And this Tuesday morning, she didn't call. And I texted her back and I said, I think we might need to find a new time to talk because I didn't, I don't, I get up early for your call. Um, and I don't walk with my wife on those days. I was so pissed and I could feel it. And she texted me back and said, well, here's when I'm available. And I realized that I'm, that, that that's the best time for me to talk to her is that Tuesday morning at 7.30. And I texted her back and I said, you know, I realized this is the best time for me. So, so I'm gonna, there may be times, you know, and I, not out of retribution, but there may be times where I sleep in because I'm exhausted. So you can call me on Tuesday mornings. I'll probably mostly be there, but there may be some that I won't be there. And I just, I, I don't know that I can 100% commit to that time um, because I know it's hard for you to commit to that time. And it wasn't resentful. I wasn't angry. I, I just was, I had thought it through. I had reasoned it out with other people. And I, and I realized that's a way that I can be of service to her without resenting that I'm being of service to her, right? Um, and that was hard because I wanted to say, well, then you're fired. And I, I, you know, I get angry. When I get angry, I want to lash out. Those are my, my character defects. You know, I think maybe a lot of us are, but um, have that, those. And I didn't because I've learned how to do it differently. So um, it took me a long time to learn the difference between a sponsor and a therapist. And it really, I, I discovered that it really is quite simple. Like my sponsees call me. They share things with me. My job is to direct them back to the program. So when people have things, and and you know, and Laura can attest to this, when 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 my sponsees call me with issues, I don't say, "Here's what I think you should do." Right? That phrase, "Hey, I know what you should do about that." Like that original sponsorship mantra that I had. It's more like, "Wow, that sounds like maybe a six and seven step issue." I I think I'm hearing some maybe some ego in that. Um, and then I listen, and sometimes they go, that's not ego. Oh, yeah, it kind of is, you know, or whatever. But um, but I point out what I think I see based on my experience of working the steps. Um, and, I, and I direct them back to the steps. I direct them back to, you know, it sounds like you need to do a four through nine on that. You know, you figure out, you, I, I hear that you're angry and figure out what's getting triggered in you. What's your part in that? Um, one of the, the stories I want to mention about sponsorship because you know there's there are promises in the program and there are also promises in working with sponsees right and in, in being sponsored and in sponsoring and one time um i was talking with a sponsee and and she said we were she was working on a four step and she said um i'm i'm not sure what to put in the my part column from when i was abused as a kid now, I had struggled with that same question, and I had never gotten an adequate answer, and I didn't have an answer for her. 
but an answer flew out of my mouth and i and and i and i tell you this is it has to be a god thing because i said to her i think your part is that you continue to abuse yourself and and we both like I, I, and i've shared that that story before and i always get the chills when i share that story because i needed to hear that that day the sponsee said that that was really helpful for her I've shared that in meetings and other people have come up and said, that's it. That's what I've been looking for in my four step. And I swear to you, this is, I'm not saying that like, well, I thought of this first, not at all. I swear that that was a, um, I don't know, a channeled something if, if anyone believes in that, but I really do feel like, and that was a gift of sponsorship that I answered my own question by being able to tell a sponsee that by being an open channel. Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit, I, I, um, I had a sponsor after that really awesome sponsor who then got busy, who taught me that she wasn't God. Um, I, I asked another woman to sponsor me. I had never seen her before. She shared in my Monday night meeting. She sponsored me for a lot of years. And she said to me, you know, I don't have, um, we have the same religion of origin. And she said, I don't have um, a traditional view of God. And I don't work the steps in a traditional way, but I do work them. And, um, and she worked them, uh, I want to say like in a sort of Buddhist-y way. And, and I only mention that because it gives you a context for kind of how, um, and, and I learned, and I learned even more. And, and, and I remember, you know, I called her one day and I said, um, I, I was, I don't know, said something and needed something from her. And, and she said, well, have you prayed about it? And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm in graduate school, I'm working full time, I'm got another job. And she said, I said, I don't have time to pray. And she said, well, then you have to live prayerfully. And, and I thought, live prayerfully, wow, that is, and, and I, and that changed my life, right? And I don't even know if that came from her, if that came from her higher power. Um, but I realized that I hope that everything that I do is um, attraction for somebody who may be new, who may need a 12-step program. And I live as if it is, right? Am I perfect? No, obviously. Am I an asshole sometimes? Um, thank you for, for setting the bar on the F-bombs. <laughs> I feel comfortable saying that. Um, but very different than I am than I was before program. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I think sponsoring helped me get married, actually. I think, and I didn't marry any of my sponsees, but um, I learned how to be in relationship by from sponsors. I learned um, how to be in relationship from sponsees. Like I, I mean, in the beginning, you know, Laura mentioned that we had a call time once a week and, um, and it was hard for me in the beginning to set aside that time I hadn't sponsored before. And I, and when I, well, I sponsored that one time before where, I really thought that I had to be her higher power and we didn't have a call time. I said, just call me and I'll call you back if I'm not available. And I wanted to set up a time because I was so busy that I didn't want Laura to have to chase me down. And, and I didn't want to have to chase her down and calling her back. So we set up this call time and it worked for both of us. And, um, and sometimes I was tired and sometimes I was, you know, and I thought, well, I, I don't want to take a sponsee call right now, but, it, but I had to show up. And I, and I'm not the kind of person that wasn't going to show up. So, and sometimes I show up more for you than I do for myself. Um, so another gift of sponsorship. Um, 
let's see. I, I was thinking too, uh, as I was listening to a lot of the shares today, I, I logged on a little bit after one, I think. Um, I was thinking about the steps and the traditions that relate to sponsorship and particularly, so tradition one about our common welfare should come first, right? That other sponsee that I had to have that conversation with this week, I, I needed to make sure that we had a time that worked well for me and I wanted it to work well for her. I don't want anyone to have to bend themselves into a pretzel for me um, in terms of time, but it has to work for both of us. And- That's 20 minutes. Okay, great. So I have five left. Um, and I realized like I, I, as angry as I, as I was, so also one of the things that I learned is I was so angry that she missed her call time. I've been sponsoring her maybe nine months and she's only missed twice. And I was so angry. And the program has taught me when I'm that unproportionately angry at somebody that there's probably a lot of history in that. I come from a lot of history as we all do. Um, and, and I was thinking about our common welfare, right? When I was trying to figure out what am I gonna do? I'm angry, but I don't wanna fire her. That doesn't feel right either. Not that I wouldn't fire someone, but not for missing two call times in nine months, right? So that didn't feel. Um, and I was thinking also about um, our ultimate authority and, and I'm not theirs and my sponsor's not mine. And um, I was, I spent a lot of time without a sponsor because I didn't, I wanted to find the perfect sponsor. I've had some really kick-ass sponsors and I wanted to find another one of them. And I asked a lot of people that I thought would be that and they weren't available. And my friend, one of my friends, one of my dear friends said to me, why don't you find a looking for a sponsor sponsor? And I said, how do you mean? And she said, um, you know, like someone that can be your sponsor until you find the perfect sponsor. Very tricky. And um, I asked someone to sponsor me a few years ago who I didn't think was the perfect sponsor. And then I realized there is no perfect sponsor. Like that's, that's God, right? Again, another lesson in my sponsors are not God. Um, there was something else I was gonna say. Um, so another gift, and someone said it before, I forget who it was, but about the, that line in the big book that we'll see a fellowship grow up about us. And that's, you know, I love that about being a long timer in program. Although I don't ever feel like a long timer at 31 years or whatever my total time is here. But, um, but I get to, like I've watched, you know, I've watched my sponsees grow and they've watched me grow and I've watched my sponsor grow and I've known people forever. And, um, you know, I also wanna say, I, um, I totaled my car yesterday. You're kind of the first big group of people that I'm telling. I was very distracted. I was driving, I wasn't on the phone. I totaled my car. Um, my my uh, stepmother's birthday was this week and a lot of the locals here in Los Angeles know that um, my father and stepmother died. My father killed her and then he killed himself. And um, and it was her birthday on Tuesday and that had a lot going on. And I was going shopping for a toilet nonetheless. I've been needing to replace one of our toilets forever. And I was going and thinking about that and thinking about my stepmother and where would she be now when I totaled my car. And um, I'm not sure why I'm saying that because I didn't even call my sponsor about that yet, but I called my posse, you know, and, um, and I, you know, I had remorse and thankfully everybody's okay and I have good insurance and they'll handle it all. Um, but I, but I, as I started to quickly beat myself up, I 
called a fellow and um and i would well and um and i beat myself up less right because my sponsor that one sponsor said live prayerfully and there's no way that beating myself up is a prayer it's not even a tool right of all the tools that we get beating yourself up is not one of those tools and um so I get to be with all this and, you know, probably have a boatload of writing to do or something. But um, if I were my sponsor, I would give me writing. So I guess that's in my future. Um, anyway, I, I they, they said a long time ago, I think long before I ever sponsored for the first time, if you have one day more than somebody else, then you have something to share. And I loved that. Um, I also needed to make sure that I was sharing experience, strength and hope and not um, here's what I think you should do, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, I think that's what I have to share. So thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Now we're going to open it up for questions. We have about 18, 18 minutes for questions. Yes. Uh, okay. So, yeah, thank you both again for your shares. The first question is for Corey. Uh, I often hear it's not about the food, but as a diabetic, what is your experience with statements like that? Mm, that's a great question. Um, you know, when I, I've been a diabetic since I was nine, and um, for so many years in my life, I felt like, my mom used to say, tell them you're a diabetic. And I felt like I, that, that defined me, right? And then I learned over the years that I'm a lot of things. I'm a sister, I'm a diabetic, I'm a, you know, a lot of things. Um, so while I have to, I mean, actually my freedom as a diabetic is probably looser than it is as, as a compulsive overeater on a food plan because I'm on an insulin pump and I can, you know, I eat something, I figure out the carbs and I dial it in and it, and, and, and assuming all other things are, you know, it doesn't have super high in fat, I'm not extra stressed. Um, so it, it, I don't know that that necessarily relates, but I do think it's not about the food. I think food is but a symptom. Um, it gives me interesting information if I wanna eat and it's not time to eat or I just ate or I noticed that I ate beyond when I was full. Um, so, but in terms of diabetic, there's a lot of ways that diabetes impacts my program, but ironically, not so much with food since I've been on an insulin pump. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's what I got. All right, thank you. Um, the next one, I think uh, I'm just gonna clean up a little bit. So it's also for Corey. Uh, you mentioned not that you sponsor a lot of people, but someone else sponsors a lot of people, I guess. And I guess this person is interested in how that person does that. Well, so I was curious about that too, because she said like 15 people and she had a kid and she only took calls from six to nine Sunday through Thursday, or maybe it was six to 10. And what she told me was, you know, not everybody calls all the time. People kind of float in and out. Um, she, she had this philosophy that was hard for me to get to. You know, remember my first program is Al-Anon and I feel like you're my responsibility, uh, others. I, um, she didn't kind of feel that way. Like she just said, well, you know what, when you call me, I share my experience, strength and hope. Um, you know, you remind me what step you're on when you're done, 
you know, I invite you over some Sunday through Thursday from six to 10 and you read it to me and then I give you the next direction. She, she had the way that she took everybody through the steps and she didn't sweat about it. Like she, she didn't have specific call times. She just had general times that she was available. Um, and I thought that was a miracle, <laughs> but that's what she said. So, yeah. All right, excellent. Uh, the next question I think would be for both. Uh, how do you make it easy for your sponsees to be completely honest with you? Laura, you wanna take that? Um, sure. Um, I, I didn't mention that I have had a sponsee, a very consistent sponsee for the last little over a year, I think, maybe more. And that's after a very big, long series of sponsees who did not last that long. I was not a very good sponsor for a very long time um, until I joined this other program and learned how to have relationships with people. Um, but um, I try to share my own experience and, and I try to um, say, you know, and tell some little story about something that was hard for me to admit to someone else. And, and I try to make a safe space, um, you know, so that someone knows that, that I'm not gonna um, be shocked or whatever. And the other thing is like in my manner, this is another thing that's helped me as a sponsor is, is to, you know, when like Corey's saying, you know, the person didn't call and, you know, I'd fly into a rage, which is all out of proportion. <laughs> um, or they're not consistent sometimes, you know, uh, that happens. And, and um, you know, I, I, I really ask my higher power or I write about it, you know, for help with just remembering that this isn't about me. And um, so, so therefore that my manner can be kind and loving and, and tolerant and compassionate uh, as much as I possibly can while at the same time being very honest too. And, um, but, but doing that in the, in the most kind, compassionate way that I can manage to be in, and I'm not perfect either, so. Okay, thank you. Um, oh, here's, here's one. Have you ever had a conflict with one another and how did you work it through? Um, okay. Um, I'll take that one. Um, so there was a time, and Laura touched on it, and, and so um, I'm going to do this without saying too much about you and try and keep it all on myself, but um, there was a time where there were, I think Laura was wanting some things from me that I don't think I had to offer, and I think, you know, I I come from a home where if you don't know it before you have ever had the opportunity to learn it, that you should know it. Like I come from a lot of shame. And, and so when people want things from me that I don't have to offer, it, it, it brings up anger in me. It still does. I handle it differently, but it brings up a lot for me. And I, I think, you know, I, I got to practice with Laura, um, like knowing what I had experience with and knowing what I didn't have experience with. And she mentioned that I took her to another program where people had experience with what she was dealing with. Um, and 
we did have there was some time in there where you know i i i got a little bit more rigid you know she mentioned she calls me every day and i got super kind of rigid about what you can talk about and what you can't talk about because um and she came to me and said well but here's what i'm looking for and this isn't going to work if that's you know if it's if you just want it to be that and and we it was like i think probably the first time in my life where we really talked it together we got together one day at remember we were at the outside portion of west side pavilion back when it was a thing and and we sat and we talked about it and she was very clear about what she was looking for and i kind of softened about what i had to offer and and somehow we just worked it through i think because by that time we had had so much trust together that um we did, we just worked it through. I mean, it just, I, I don't know that I would have had the capacity to do that if it weren't for both of our strengths that came together during that, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I that, I, I remember that. I, first of all, remembered it sort of anyway, but um, the, the thing is that I was, you know, in retrospect, you know, both of our recoveries kicked in because we were able to share with each other the important parts of what the essence of it was. I mean, I, I don't remember if this was the specific thing, um, but I remember calling you one day and leaving you like three, at least three message, three, three minute messages or maybe four. And you said, you know, in the nicest way possible, that's not okay. And that wasn't okay. In retrospect, I could see, you know, the insanity of my behavior. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, this, this other time that you're mentioning, it was the content of the messages. I, I, maybe that was the same time and it was both of those things. So um, I hear you now, I hear that because I get those kind of calls, not from my current sponsor necessarily, but from other people. And, you know, it's really, it's hard to listen to the insanity. And um, I think it's perfectly okay for sponsors to, to set loving and kind boundaries. Excellent, thank you both. Uh, another question for both, um, we've heard this one before. What are your favorite pages in the big book? Um, I, I can start 86 through 88 rocks. That's the on awakening. I love that portion. Um, a sponsor introduced me to that portion. And whenever I called in distress, she would say, sounds like some 86 through 88. Um, and I loved it. And I still love it. So there's, a, there's so many, there's too many to mention, but that's probably one of my favorites. I'm embarrassed to admit that I don't know what page this is, but I know it's in how it works. And it's about maybe halfway through and it it's the paragraph where the big book assures us that if we humbly rely on god and do as he would have us that he will enable us to match calamity with serenity and that uh when i first read that i knew the very first time i read that i knew i was home because i knew that that life wasn't going to be exactly like i wanted it and here was this page telling me I could still be okay that this higher power that I was going to have a relationship with would be there for me no matter what. So I'll have to look that page up so I can answer that question <laughs> specifically in the future. 
Great. Thank you both very much. Sorry for the delay there. Um, We've about seven more minutes. Uh, what does living prayerfully mean to you, Corey and Laura? Well, for me, it means involving God in all my decisions. Um, and that, you know, I, I could get in, get up in the morning and, um, and have a, you know, a moment of silent meditation and have that connection. And I do sometimes, not all the time. I do sometimes, but it, it means like sometimes when I put my hands on the keyboard, for my, you know, I'm working from home. So I have like a work laptop and a nighttime laptop, like daytime jammies and nighttime jammies. Um, sometimes I, you know, when I'm typing, I think about God or I, um, when I'm about to make a call at work, I, you know, bring God into that. Or if there's a difficult something at work, I bring God into that. It just means in including God in everything and, you know, remembering God more than just during my, those pointed check-in times. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, I, one of the things that, that because I have this whole routine that I do with my higher power and it takes a long time and sometimes I don't finish it till just before I'm falling asleep. Um, you know, sometimes it's, I struggle with it cause I was like, wait, I where's that connection? And I think that I love that I that concept of living prayerfully is just just talking to God, and it doesn't matter, you know, if, if you're just like uh, not hearing anything back. That that doesn't mean that God isn't isn't still there. I mean, I work very hard on my relationship with God. I I I, I mean, it's very step oriented, and it's very, you know, doing the same things over and over again. Um, because the longer I'm in program, the more program I need. And that's why I've had to add not just foods to my list of foods that I abstain from, but, but extra meetings and three, that three phone calls a week during this last seven months of, of the time that we're meeting on Zoom, I've added, I, I now do four calls a week. I just need to keep adding more spiritual sustenance to my life because otherwise I'm gonna start uh, having bigger meals or practicing my other disease. Um, it's always a solution though in, in, in the steps. Excellent, thank you both. I believe this one's for Corey. Uh, you mentioned you would fire a sponsee. What would have to happen for that kind of ending to occur? Um, I think they'd have to really disrespect me or t call times or, I mean, more than just not call twice, but they'd have to, you know, never call or um, be abusive or, I mean, it would take a lot. Or, 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 I mean, if I just felt like, you know, I got to the point where I just really couldn't help them, you know, there's certain things I just don't have experience with. And if that were predominant for them and that's what they continue to want from me, I probably would gently say to them, you know, I don't, I don't have experience, strength, and hope with that. I think you need to find somebody who does. Great, thank you. Um, about four more minutes. In that you're both abstinent a long time, have you worked the traditions or concepts? How did that work out? 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Corey and I, we've been together for so long. And the more I think about it, Corey, it may even be longer than 2001. I, I will have to talk about that because I just thought of something that made me rethink that. Um, uh, so Corey and I, uh, Corey has helped me work the, the steps and, and, and I just finished step 12, like not that long ago. Um, the first time she and I worked through them all together. And, um, and so I said, well, why don't, why don't we, I've always wanted to study the traditions. We've been working out of the AA 12 and 12, and I've been writing on a paragraph, one paragraph at a time. And um, that's not exactly why it took, so, it took me so long, but um, it's a very thorough way to do it. And um, so we started, uh, I, I've been doing that now with the traditions and the traditions, um, there's so much richness in those, uh, in the traditions, whatever book you're working it out of. And, and I have found how specifically it relates, the traditions relate to issues that I'm having in my life. I mean, one of the traditions, there was something to do with something that was, was challenging in a meeting. And I was seeing it, it unfold in the way that, that the traditions were originally developed to address exactly such a thing. So, you know, I'm writing a paragraph at a time. I'm, I'm reading a paragraph at a time and writing on that in, in the AA 12 and 12. Um, uh, that's how I've been doing that. With, and then I read it to Corey and we talk about it. And it's amazing. It's been working out really great. I really encourage that. And I worked, I started working the traditions many years ago. I had a friend who had like a phone conference line. She worked for a, like a telecom company. And, um, and we, the three of us met once a week and we started talking about the traditions, not formally, but I just started chewing on it together, kind of like a step study. And then um, when Laura, you know, when Laura was done with the steps and said, you know, what should we do next or whatever? Um, and I suggested, I, she's actually doing more work than I am on the traditions because um, I'm not doing as much, but um, my goal with the traditions, just to put it, maybe it's a commitment, but is to know them as well as I know the steps. You can call out a step and I can tell you what it is. And I can't do that with the traditions and that's my goal. So more to come, ask, ask me to speak again some year and I can talk on that question. Excellent, thank you both very much. I believe uh, that is our time, is it not Sheila? is indeed. Graham, thank you very much. And Laura and Corey, thank you so much for a great tandem sharing. Thank you for doing that. And I just so respect that that longtime history that 19 or 19 plus whatever, however many years it is, that that says a lot. It says a lot about the recovery that both of you have and that long-term relationship. So thank you for sharing for us. Thank you for, as I said, you are only sponsor, sponsee, pairing today. So thank you for coming and doing that. We really appreciate it. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, well, I'm getting tired and I bet I'm not doing one. I've officially moved to the floor. So now I'm, I am open game for my dog, but um, we have one wonderful speaker uh, who's going to be coming for us. We uh, needed to make a, a change. So I, I got her at the last minute. She's a, a new friend of mine from the East Coast. Um, she also does a lot of service. She is uh, uh, the, the 
tech uh, on her her uh, group's inner group. She's a part of New Jersey. It's either central or southern. We'll hear from her, but she's wonderful. Just does a lot of service. Very warm heart. And um, I shared somewhere at some point on one of her meetings and just shared something vulnerable. And she just really reached out. Just really loving and warm. You know, just that loving, beautiful heart. So Robin is joining us from New Jersey. Uh, thank you very much for being here, Robin. Thank you, thank you. Take it away. Uh, how would you like to be timed, Robin? Thank you. Um, I think the idea was 15 minutes. Yes? Okay, Robin, would you like any warnings or? Break it down, however. Uh, maybe a two minute warning. Okay. I'm... Good afternoon, I guess. <laughs> um, my name is Robin B, and I'm talking to you from from Central New Jersey. Um, I, and I moved to Central New Jersey in 1991 temporarily. <laughs> so I, I it, it's the ongoing joke. It's the ongoing joke. Um, this is an interesting problem this evening because I wasn't in on the ground in terms of as this was being planned. I have no idea what you all are expecting, but I began to think about sponsorship as I'm sitting here listening to Corey and Laura and what, how has sponsorship been a part of my journey? My journey began in October of 1997. Um, I came into the program, I was 12-stepped. Uh, I have a very deep spirituality that began as a teenager and I came in with the foot of the Almighty on my backside. Um, and I got to my first meeting and there was a woman there who I knew had young children. And I don't know if there are any, any mommies out there but mommies have to handle other people's food. So I needed my first sponsor to be somebody's mommy. And when I walked into my first meeting, I recognized somebody from a mother's organization. And she said she wasn't available, but I asked her anyway, and she took me. But after about six months, I realized that she truly wasn't available. And so I moved on. But she left me with three gifts that kind of, I, I, I've never forgotten. Uh, first, I remember saying to her in one of our first phone calls, what am I gonna tell my mother? And she said, well, you don't have to tell your mommy anything. And I've never forgotten that. And ever since then, my recovery has been somewhat private, not, not something that I chose to share. Um, one of my sisters found out because she's sober in AA. And so we shared our recovery. My other sister, eventually I lifted the lid because we were having problems with our family get togethers. The meals kept getting scheduled later and later and later. And it was making me really cranky. But um, the other thing she told me is that I could adore my child without baking her a birthday cake. And while my kid was growing up, a birthday comes around and we go out for supper and she can order anything she wants. And I didn't have to bake it. 
I didn't have to bring it home. She could have anything she wanted for dessert. And I didn't have to deal with it. And this became a tradition in our family. Uh, when my spouse's birthdays come around, I'll take him out for supper. He's certainly welcome to have a glass of alcohol if he wants one. He, he's very abstentious, so he often doesn't. Uh, he could have a sweet if he wants one. I'm, I don't care. And the other thing she did is she gave me the gift of, I have been working my program since December 1997 with a professional nutritionist who is still in my life. And when my life shifts, I call her. I called her. I had an appointment with her in March when my, my job sent me home because my activity level when I'm working in, this, in New York City is very different than my activity level during the pandemic. So I had to get back some food. And so my nutritionist is still with me after all this time. And in some ways my abstinence is defined as doing what she tells me to do. I've also used a, a definition. My, my abstinence is defined as I'm a food addict. That means there are some things I'm really allergic to. Um, I've had a lot of sponsors over time. I really can't take you through in that way because that's almost, it's over 20 years. Now my abstinence date is November 14th, 2009, because on November 13th, 2009, I went out for lunch with a colleague and I made some bad choices. In terms of sponsorship, one of the things that was going on in that season is I had a sponsorship relationship that had gone sour. Uh, someone who was very strict and I was having trouble dealing with her. And as I looked at what had happened, I went back to day one, which was a particular discipline. Uh, and this was affirmed several years later when a, a very dear lady told me that she went back to day one because I had, and I'd shown her how to do it. Uh, but as I went back to day one, I did 90 and 90, and I fired my sponsor because this was not a good relationship. I'm not sure how long my current sponsor has been in my life. I know she came to my home meeting and qualified. And after the meeting, I said, I'm without a sponsor. I need a sponsor. And she said, what do you need from me? And I said, well, I need to text you my food. And she said, that's fine. And I, what it's, it's turned into is she gets three things from me every day. She gets my food. She gets a writing that I do for a whole bunch of people, including my sponsor. And she gets my gratitude list at the end of the day. And these are all texts. We schedule phone calls as needed. If I have something that is bothering me, then I, I ask her, I need to talk to you and we arrange a time. Uh, she is my chief cheerleader. And to understand the dimensions of that, I need to own the fact that I am 
disabled. I have mobility issues. Um, I'm high functioning. See the above paragraph about commuting into New York City. Uh, but I am disabled and as I was born with this disability and I failed Jim as a child, but I am also a highly active person. So it, it warms the depths of my heart that my current sponsor is a gym teacher. That, that if she, she's actually retired now, but she is my chief cheerleader when I go for my daily walk, when I get my recumbent tricycle out, when I, when I do these various things that other people might say, well, uh, slow down, honey, you might hurt yourself. She's my chief cheerleader. She was also, as a high school coach, having kittens. Um, a couple of years ago, I fell and bumped my head. And I basically felt fine, but a committee was having kittens. And that included my sponsor, who was a high school coach. And she was all over this. You might have a concussion. You need to have this looked at. But also my boss and my husband. And the three of them were got into my head. And so I took the next day off and went to the emergency room. And I said to the ER doctor, I think I'm fine. But there's this committee <laughs> that's having kittens. And so the gift of the day was all these people who really loved me. I, I, I felt cared for. And that also means that I, I have a really good relationship with my boss, who um, when the pandemic hit, because of the nature of my disability, uh, other people get colds, I get pneumonia. And she knew that because I'd had pneumonia last year. And I, I went to her when this pandemic began to hit the news and I said to her, I need to go home. And she said, go, I was waiting for you to ask. And I've been home ever since. Uh, but that's not about my sponsor, that's about my boss. I'm just saying I'm so fortunate to be loved and cared for. Um, I have three sponsees. I have one that calls me in the morning and when I go back to my commute, she's, it's gonna be, she's gonna have to get up earlier. But she calls me in the morning before I start my work day. I have one sponsee that calls me at nine o'clock at night. And I have one sponsee that we move it around. Sometimes it's 4.30 because I work eight to four. Sometimes it's 6.30 if it's just before my meeting. Uh, sometimes it's on the weekends, it might be, we each day it's okay, what time tomorrow? Um, these are daily relationships. Um, I had one woman who left me because I couldn't meet with her every day because I'm very fortunate that my job transitioned to home, but that means that eight to four, I'm not like available and the time slot just before work and the time slot just after work and the time slot in the evening are all booked. So I don't have any more time slots. And so I wished her well and I said, I hope you find what you're looking for. Um, I'm really very fortunate 
to be able to speak from long-term habitual abstinence. Um, what happened in 2009 is I went to a restaurant that didn't have any good choices and I selected something that had sugar in it. And my response to that, even though it was minute, um, was very convincing in terms of I am a food addict. That means I'm allergic to my red light foods and it has to be non-negotiable. Uh, I'm also allergic to caffeine. And I know that that is something that sometimes comes up in a way because we put it in our mouth. Um, but it has, it has to be on my red light list because that one's harder for me than the food. And it, I was using caffeine because of my physical condition. I have levels of fatigue that are just unimaginable. And um, I was using it as a drug and therefore I had to give it up. Um, I also have on my red light list artificial sweeteners, but that's a bit of a cheat because God has gifted me with uh, an aversion. This by the way is fuzzball and fuzzball gets involved in meetings regularly. <laughs> Go play something somewhere else, not between me and the monitor. Uh, and I'm just putting one foot in front of the other. I do weigh and measure my food. Um, when I go out with my husband, I bring my scale with me. He tolerates it. I'm the adored wife of a very good man who is a normal eater, which means I have to tolerate having drug foods in the house because I wanna be hospitable. I don't wanna say you can't have that here. It's that 13 minutes, two minutes left. Okay. Uh, and so, and I do plan my food one day in advance, which annoys my spouse a little bit and says, do we, do we have to know what's for supper tomorrow night now? And I said, well, yes. <laughs> um, but I, I plan my food the day before, partly because that means I know what to take out of the freezer. Sometimes it's two days before. Um, um, I, I do weigh and measure because I can't tell. My, my quantity button is broken. And I don't think it's ever gonna be fixed. I do occasionally when I'm on the road eat approximately because the definition of my abstinence is that I don't eat my red light foods. So if I'm on the road and I'm doing an incredibly high energy job. I, so when I go to a professional conference, I may not always measure my food, but that's not a time where I should, I should be worried about eating enough in that circumstance. So as long as I'm eating moderately, I'm putting my fork down when I'm full, the real issue is I have to stay away from my red light foods. Even if the meal that I've just cobbled together is bizarre because I had to stay away from my red light foods. I have to stay away from my red light foods. When I move through the universe, I usually pack my food. Um, 
have worn out coolers in this program. And, you know, I'm, I'm just so grateful to be in, to have been given this gift. Uh, and I'm sorry, it's just 10 years, but on November 13th, 2009, I made some really lousy choices. Uh, there was a lot going on there. I had just started a new career direction and I was having trouble. Um, I had a lot of issues and I just have to love and accept myself just the way I am. Um, and that's time. And, um, and um, I think I've about said what, what God gave me to say to you all this evening. And I, but I really appreciate Sheila because what she's been teaching me about sponsorship. I have a sponsee who's a chronic slipper and I've been applying what Sheila has been teaching me. And so I'm very grateful to return the favor and help her out. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Robin. All right, uh, first question, I believe you answered it, but uh, you said you mentioned a nutritionist and that means you weigh and measure. Um, and so is that, you said that you take it sometimes to a restaurant. Uh, how do you then measure the sometimes at a restaurant, the portions, you know, when they bring it to you on a plate and knowing exactly what food uh, in the circumstances like that? Uh, well, if it's the diner on Saturday evening, what's being measured is the potato, which is four ounces. The um, portion selection is usually something that is predetermined. And I know how much protein is in it. Uh, that's a circular way of saying I'm fond of omelets. Um, and the vegetables don't have to be measured. Uh, the main concern uh, in the diner on Saturday evening is how big is the potato because potatoes are hugely variable. Sometimes it's a half, sometimes it's a third, sometimes it's the whole. So I need to bring a scale and I need to weigh it. Thank you. And he, he doesn't mind. Okay, that's good. Uh, next question is, could you please talk about your relationship with God? Oh, Sure. <laughs> sure. I, I, I missed that one a little bit. Um, as I said, I came into the, the program with the foot of the almighty on my backside. Uh, I, I had a religious, uh, I had a spiritual awakening as a college student. And uh, my God and I have been working together ever since. And God has been there in all the turning points of my life. And I've had some very strange experiences. Um, I once was called and offered, asked to apply for a job. I hadn't worked in almost five years. And I wasn't sure about it. And I said, I'll call you back. And something in the room said, call him back. It's going to be okay. I, as I said, I have a very strong relationship. Uh, what program has taught me is the God of my understanding has grown tremendously under the influence of the steps because I no longer believe in a God that is limited in terms of uh, the God of my understanding does not make too hard terms for anyone. 
And I will put my number in the chat. I'd love to talk to people about this. Uh, if you've got a step two problem, call me, text me. I, 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 as I said, I have a deep and profound relationship with the God of my understanding. Uh, this year I'm reading 24 hours a day from AA and that's a lot about trust. So I'm getting trust me constantly from that book. And <laughs> this is not an easy year to trust God, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's my, my spiritual burden right now is to, is to really believe that my prayers are being answered. Thank you. The next question is, seems to be the most popular question we have today. Uh, favorite big book page? Oh, well, I heard that from previous people and I, I, I have an answer and it's not the usual one. In the back of the big book, there's a story called Grounded. And I constantly talk about that story because I am a professional achiever. Uh, by the way, I work for God, so it's okay. Uh, but I have gotten a lot of strength from this man. He says things like, um, the, the story, if you haven't, haven't read it, is about a Native American airline pilot who got arrested for, for piloting a commercial airline while drunk and he had to go to jail. And then he had to rebuild his career. And he talks about doing it one step at a time. Um, I was terrified of walking into prison, but I told my children I could not come out the back door until I walked in the front. I remembered that courage is not the, courage is not the absence of fear, it was the ability to continue in the face of it. I've quoted that time and time and time again. And then, and that's on page 526. Um, and then he talks about on page 527, at the bottom of 527 and 528, none of my friends thought it was possible to regain licenses literally from the ground up, but I had learned how to do many things, one day at a time, one small step at a time. I do social science research. I've done massive projects. I'm currently planning a book project that will take several years. How do you do it? Show up every day. As I teach people, I, I'm a writing mentor. And when I teach people how to write, how often have you cracked it open? Try daily. This is what I get from that story. Thank you. Thank you. Next question. That made it worth showing up early. <laughs> there you go. Uh, next question. Have your health issues gotten better due to abstinence? I know that my doctors have said, do whatever it takes to stay at a healthy body weight. Um, I have um, mobility issues that have been complicated by getting old. I have arthritis, which is continuing 
it's probably the devil that's going to cause me the most trouble in the next 10 years. I have to stay at a healthy body weight. That's why my abstinence is non-negotiable. If I, uh, I came in at about 180 pounds, not pregnant. The only time I've been over 200 is when I was carrying my baby. If I were at 180 pounds, I probably would not be able to work <laughs> because I, I need to be at, at, at the weight that I'm currently at. Thank you. You may have answered this partly in the previous question, um, but what do you credit for getting you abstinent? What happened inside you? What was like the fundamental change that you know got you to become abstinent? Well, I know that many people have trouble with the idea that this is a disease. I didn't. I, having what my, my kid used to call mama's medical rap sheet. I thought, okay, fine. You're going to use the disease metaphor. What's the therapy? Uh, that, that really, the idea that this was a disease, that this was, not only that, but she's in the other room doing her nails. I, I, I really believe that I have to be actually more careful the older I get because I've run into people who've been taken out after years. So I take this very seriously. Uh, the other thing that, that, that I heard was this idea that I could be allergic to certain things because the weigh-in pays don't tell you that. They say you can have one which of course is ridiculous. The minute I knew that my child was not a compulsive reader is when she said, here, mommy, put this in the freezer, I'm done with it. And I looked at her like, how did you do that? <laughs> and so that was the moment that I said, um, oh, isn't that nice? Your life will be less complicated. You're just like your father. Then I got to know this person better and I knew she was a lot like her father and that's why teenagehood was not fun. Um, I, I, but I think those were the two big things that happened plus uh, the grace of God and also working with a professional and I really did believe her and trust her when she said this is enough and if it's not working, call me. And I think I called her fairly quickly. We discovered fairly quickly that I don't do three meals a day. Never have, probably never will. I'm sometimes close to it during the pandemic, um, but she diagnosed that fairly quickly that I need to eat. I've eaten often between four and six times a day. Small meals, weight and measured. Um, I think some people who try to do three meals a day maybe can't. And that's why they're having trouble staying abstinent. Oh, great. That'll lead us into the next question. Uh, what is your food plan uh, along with the abstinence and how do you modify it when there might be something that might come in to disrupt it? 
uh, let's say if you're out, you know, and there's not a place to stop and eat, or if you forgot to bring food. Well, the definition of my abstinence is literally vague. The definition of my abstinence is that I don't eat the things that are on my red light list. So if chaos is hit, and if we can walk into a convenience store and get me a piece of fruit and a thing of milk to keep me from losing it, we'll do that and not worry about other boundaries. Um, I, my food plan is written by a professional and if it needs to be fixed, like when I moved to this apartment about five years ago, my, my weight plummeted. And I kept calling her saying, you have to do something. I'm losing weight without intending to help. And it took us a while to get my food back up to where. And what happened was I came here and I started walking to the station every day. And it, it just caused. So having a professional in my back pocket uh, fixes those kinds of systemic problems. I, my answer would be, I don't know, ask the boss. Um, I, 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 you know, I'll get out my phone and, and call her right now. Um, but in terms of emergencies, that's why my absence is defined the way it is. And uh, I go to professional conferences and of course I don't bring my food to professional conferences. I have to cope with whatever goes down. And I've had some very strange meals um, because I have to eat, so I have to get something into me. Uh, particularly at conference because my energy level is through the roof and I have to keep feeding it. And so the rules are moderate eating, avoid the red light foods. And that's non-negotiable. That can be done. You have to read ingredients and you have to be willing to say no. Thank you very much, Robin. Um, that's all the time we have. We are now in the last 15 minutes where we will do the wrap up. So I turn the meeting back over to Sheila. Thank you. Thanks very much. And everybody join me in thanking Robin for being our final speaker and stepping in yesterday, last night, this morning. Robin, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, and what a great share. And I so look forward to talking to you. It just lets me know that, that you and I have even more to talk about. But I just really loved your share. And I really admire your your commitment to your uh, the integrity of your food plan and whamming, weighing and measuring it with with uh, with the, uh, the care and, and diligence that it sounds like you do. That's that's impressive. So thank you very much. Really great example. Thank you for talking about that. Um, I think you were our first uh, uh, consistent whammer who talked about it. So thank you. I appreciate that we got to, got to hear from you about that. So. Uh, we are at the end of our uh, of our day here, and it's been a uh, it's been a really wonderful day, and we have about fifty three of us on the call, and or on the yeah on the Zoom call left. So um, I just want to thank everybody for being here, and as I said, it was a lot of people 
doing tech. And uh, thank you, Mark, for being on the meeting with me all day. And I also want to thank Samuel and Miriam. They've actually been on all day as well. They actually got on earlier. They were on before I got on at 8.15 this morning. And um, and I actually, they're friends of mine, and I got to call them and say, oh, I'm so glad you're here, but would you mind getting off and then coming back on? Because we're going to put a waiting room in place until we you know get sorted out with tech and things. And but they've been here all day. So thank you guys for being here. I'm really glad you were here as well. And glad that everybody got to be here and this will be recorded. It'll be up on the Los Angeles Intergroup website, oalaig.org. And um, uh, so thank you for, for supporting. And um, my general recommendation is, right, is uh, our, our intergroup is in very good shape. So if you feel really called to making a donation, I would just invite you to make a donation to your own intergroup. Um, so a lot of people are coming to some of the events in our Los Angeles intergroup and, uh, and we're, we're, we're comfortably set for the time. So if there are some smaller intergroups, and I know because I'm in touch with a lot of people and intergroups are really having some difficult times. Um, and it's not like the Los Angeles intergroup sits on its money. We're very generous. You know, we, we get it, you know, we get it dispersed to other intergroups as well. And staying in you know real integrity with keeping merely a prudent you know a, a, a prudent reserve. We we don't sit on a bunch of cash, but um, but if you have uh, you know uh, intergroups, you know I would invite you to make donations to your own intergroup if you are so called. But uh, you know as as we know, this is always for fun and for free. So again, thank you everybody for being here. Thanks to all my speakers and all the tech people, and especially thank you Mark for being our tech host and. Uh, I gotta tell you, I don't, uh, I don't have anything else. I just posted there is another one that's happening two weeks from today, a big book workshop about uh, chronic slipping and uh, people who sponsor chronic slippers or want to be of service to chronic slippers if they don't have that experience. Uh, so join us, and again, more opportunities for service if you are so inclined on that day. So we're doing kind of the Halloween sandwich, right? So we had a workshop the Saturday before, workshop the Saturday afterwards, kind of right in the middle, and. Um, yeah. Any anything else, Mark? Do you have anything to share or any insights? What? Do, Actually, what do you, yeah. I want to thank you, Sheila, for organizing and creating this uh, retreat today. Um, with that, I'm also going to open up the chat and uh, allow people to unmute. So you know, I want you know we can then start asking anyone final questions in the last ten minutes. Uh, but uh, once again, yeah, it was very good. I was glad I could be of service today. For, you know, as I, I was thinking eight hours really, but still, it ended up being where it was uh, definitely worth uh, being here all day today. So, thank you for the. It was a great retreat, and thank you to all the speakers who were here, all the sponsors, and all that wonderful years of experience. And also all the tech hosts who also came on, all the other ones who helped me out today, uh, monitoring the chat and being able to time and ask the questions. With that, I, everything's open. And ladies and gentlemen, we will remain open for the next few minutes to for any final questions that you might have or open it up, and that's it. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, thank you, and thank you so much. Uh, is there a way I don't have access to the chat room and all those things uh, to get Ron's phone number and and how would I go about getting the rest rest of contact information if if there is a way? 
We have an email address, so we can get Ron's email address. It's Revan, spelled just like it sounds. It's R. I, I don't have access to any of that. That's why I was asking for the phone number, if, if that is available. I don't know if it is. Ron, he had asked that his, his email be what we, we disseminate. So if you want okay. to with with me, you're seven, where are you calling from? Um, that, that's I'm, I'm, I, I just wanted that information I'm right here uh, but is it all right to call you or, or I don't know how you feel well that's why I was looking at your phone number 757 mm -hmm. please don't read the phone number I will not I will not so how do I get what do you want me to do? you want me to give you my if, phone number if that's all right if you don't mind sure so it's 310 413 one seven four five. And thank you so much for that. Thank you. Welcome. Sheila, this is Pat. I just wanted to thank you for uh, and Mark for such a great job during this workshop. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Pat. You were also on all day. Thank you. Thanks for Absolutely. your Absolutely. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Thanks for all the work you did, Sheila, and you did a great job. We enjoyed it very much. We learned a lot. Yeah, and that's an understatement. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, all of those who devoted your day. Thank you. Thank you. It was wonderful. Thanks. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks, Cheryl. Yeah, this was kind of like a, you know, a 6 a.m. flight. It always sounds a good, like a good idea when you're like three months out and you think, oh, I'm going to fly there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do 6 a.m., right? I'll get there early. And then you get closer and closer to the date and people start saying, a nine hour, real, nine hours, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it was. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila and Mark, Sally over at the East Coast. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sally. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. It was great. I appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. So how many people did we, thank you, you're most welcome. How, how many people did we end up with on our sponsorship list? I'm curious. Um, let me check out the last uh, thing. I think we were up around, uh, close to 20, but... Uh, nice, 22. Yeah, 22. Uh, uh, 20, 21. We skipped the first one. Right. So 21. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, 21 people uh, yeah. of sponsors. And then uh, the last person who sent me a question. Okay, uh, great. All right. Uh, we still have our a couple of our speakers on. If anyone has a question that didn't get asked, if they want to ask them, then we'll go on. Stop that, Charlie. Hi, I'm Bobby, and it was a wonderful day. And I'm getting off. I've been there almost all day, so thank you. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks for being with us. 
So Mark, I've actually got a question for you because yes. I, you are a, um, you're, you're somebody, you're a hundred pounder, correct? You've lost correct. Over pounds at this point. How do you work your abstinence? Are you a whammer or how does it work for you? Yeah, uh, I actually I do weigh, uh, measure most of my food. Uh, for the ones that are, especially when I'm at home, when it's dished out at a restaurant, then uh, I will take the best approximate guess. Um, uh, or I'll see if that information is, I use a couple apps that that information already might be uploaded. Um, I don't eat pizza at the moment anymore, or I, if I only do, it's with other people. I would never buy pizza on my own, but you know, a slice of pizza by one place is different than another. And, you know, it'll range anywhere from like 300 calories difference uh, from one to the other. So I try to find the best average sometimes. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I will make, weigh and measure all my food and I put it in before I eat it. So that way I know exactly how many calories I'm going to be eating. And I limit myself to a certain amount of calories per day. Uh, so that way I don't go over it. Uh, this, it also includes exercise and I'll try to eat the right things too. I, so it's, you know, because yeah, there is the Twinkie diet. I could, you know, you could have three Twinkies a day and still lose weight because you're still not getting your full amount of calories, but it's not a healthy diet. And that's what, you know, that's not what this program is about. It's eating healthy to a healthy body weight. So uh, I try to make the best choices. I try to, you know, a certain amount of carbs, a certain amount of fiber, a certain amount of protein, a certain amount of fat. And then it's also depending on when I eat because there might be, if, uh, usually if you have certain types of exercise that, you know, then it'll burn off. It's better to eat after the exercise and sometimes before. So depending on what you're eating. But yeah, it's uh, 125 since I started. Uh, there's a great picture, but I'm not gonna show that right now. Uh, and uh, beyond that, yeah, it's one day at a time because it's only one meal at a time. That's all I can do. Uh, I may lose my abstinence tomorrow and may lose it next week. But for today, for right now, I'm not, I'm abstinent. And that's all it is. When I start thinking about everything else, that's when I, that's where my disease likes to live. It's in the past, it's in the future, it's in the unknown. What I know is right now, when I make this choice, I'm abstinent. That's it. And is it perfect? No. You know, there's times when, you know, you're making food and you're like, oh, I'm hungry. And then, you know, there's something right ready to go. And you're like, you know, but is, you know, your food's going to take another 20 minutes. Yeah, that's when it's tough. But knowing that is knowing that ahead of time. And that's why you start trying to cook before you get really to the hungry point too. Did you need to get a healthcare professional involved, Mark, to support you? Actually, believe it or not, yeah. Um, I was actually seeing a nutritionist before anything else. Uh, I, had, I had my doctor who was, my, first, my doctor who, of course, as doctors do, tell me, told me I was overweight and that, you know, although my blood pressure was fine and my cholesterol was fine and my heart was fine, that that weight would be causing me physical problems. So recommended a nutritionist. Uh, I saw the nutritionist who after a certain amount of time, she understood the way I ate because that was not, you know, there are certain things I just do not eat. Um, in fact, I ate very unhealthily. It was, uh, and, uh, but she had a friend who actually it was in, realized that I ate a lot about emotions and that she knew she had a friend who 
was a therapist and the therapist happens to be in OA. So he was my Eskimo. And uh, so it kind of went new, doctor, nutritionist, therapist, OA, and then sponsor. So, but when I came to OA, I was losing about one pound a week, you know, and then uh, after I met my sponsor, I was losing two and a half, three pounds a week. So, and uh, that's when it really took off. So I started working the steps, had a sponsor, and that's when I started utilizing the whole program is when things worked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have a great sponsor who's, and I have sponsy brothers, sponsy sisters, I have sponsy uncles, sponsy grandfather, sponsy great grandfather, and as I just found out today, a sponsor, great, great, great grandmother. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a, a nice little family, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is your sponsor, does he weigh and measure as well? Did you kind of take your lead from him or? No, uh, he doesn't. Uh, but he had, he was where I, he was where I am, uh, where I was actually. And he, so he had everything I wanted. And so that's why, you know, I asked him to sponsor me. And the first thing he said is whatever it is, I want you to be honest with me. That's the, you know, and that's how I'm starting. I just started sponsoring a couple of people for the first time. So it's only just within a couple months, but uh, that's ultimately what it is. I, I do care what you eat, but at the same time, you're not, I'm not going to hold you to it. I'm not going to hold you to some rules. It's, you just have to be honest with me, you know, and that's it. And then we'll discuss, you know, if I see that there's a pattern, we can talk about that. But beyond that, that's, but everything I learned today also is what they need from me. You know, it's and I'm not, you know, I'm, they still can provide some great things for me, but what am I there? What do they need from me? And that's how I'm going to, that's how the best way to sponsor. And, you know, that's how Corey and a few others also, were, you know, when they were saying it and Ron, it's a great way. Great. Well, again, uh, thank you everybody uh, for being here. And uh, again, Mark, thank you for all your help. And I just want to read one more time because we had all these mm -hmm. wonderful people. If I can find this, uh, this email here, because I had so many people. So there was Brian and Candace and Connie and David and Graham and Jan and Jesse and Louise and Pat and Robert and Sandy. Mark was our stalwart host for us. I was here and delighted to be here. And then our people sharing were Ron, Nikki, Nanette, Beverly, Kate. And let me move this up here. Corey, Laura, and Robin. So, and then of course, all of you. So everybody here who was participating just by simply by being here. So thank you everybody. It was really a pleasure and uh, look forward to catching up with you on a Zoom meeting another time soon, I hope. And maybe we'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right. Everyone have a wonderful day, great weekend. And uh, our thoughts and we're always here. I'm just going to head out. I've got a dog that's eagerly yeah. waiting to get out. <laughs> and I'm going to end the meeting now. So, and then uh, I'll figure out where, where to send the recordings. Thank you, Mark. Again, thanks for everything. Thanks, everybody.